I'll tell you when to talk. I'll tell you when to talk. My wife just had told me to tell her when to talk. Usually it goes the other way around. I tell him not to talk. That's it, you Delgado's laugh. One of my favorite sounds. The laugh of Sandra Delgado. This is Lady D. This is Norman when Carla raps. Ain't that right? Yeah. We got a we got a very exciting show here today on Collaboration Radio. Hello, hello, and welcome to Collaboration Radio at the intersection of art, activism, and social change. Those were the sounds of DJ Lady D, who was having a birthday today. Happy birthday, Queen! Happy birthday, D. DJ Lady D will be at Bronzeville Winery tonight, celebrating her birthday with a set at 10 o'clock. Um, and um, she's a dear friend and our board president, so we won't make it. But if you hear us on the radio today and you end up going to Bronzeville Winery, please tell her that Sandra and Anthony and Tonika say hi. I might pull up, though. Yeah. I think Eric Williams is celebrating his birthday. Is it Aquarius? Is that what's going yes. on? Yes. Thank you all for joining us on Collaboration Radio here on WCPT 820 AM, Chicago's progressive talk radio. Also streaming live on Facebook right now. And on WCPT.com, or you can get it in the future on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcast, and wherever you get your digital stuff. I am Anthony Mosley. And I am Sandra Delgado. I'm filling in for the Carla Stillwell. And we're your hosts here on Clever Action Radio. And you can catch us every Saturday at 4 p.m. for the foreseeable future or as long as there is injustice in our world, which unfortunately will be for quite some time. We have a lot of work to do ahead of us. But luckily, we have visionary artist activists making serious change like Tanika. Lewis Johnson here in the studio, our guest. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. It's so amazing to I be can't. here with you. You all just make me smile and laugh. <laughs> be a lot of laughing today on I the show know. while we talk about some pretty serious stuff. Yeah. But uh, you know, you got to you got to you need a palette of emotions to do this work. You know, because there's a lot of pain and trauma. There needs to be some joy and laughter, some tears, and some big hugs. And we're going to be talking about Tanika's unbelievable body of work, mm. how she got here, what she's doing now, what she thinks about. Everything from the White Sox moving to uh, <laughs> folding the map with France oh, and yes. what she learned there and how systems of oppression work. Um, we're going to we're going to get to that shortly. Um, and you can join in today by calling seven, seven, three, seven, six, three, nine, two, seven, eight. That's seven seven three seven six three WCPT nine, two, seven, eight. If you have a question. Or a comment for us today. Collaboration Radio is sponsored 
by the Joseph and Bessie Feinberg Foundation. Shout out to Janice Feinberg. Hey, Janice. I just saw her, too. The the fairy godmother of social justice in Chicago. (laughs) It's also sponsored by donors and members like you. You can become a member for as little as $1 a month, or you can get an ad on this show like Ethos Event Collective, or you can just make a donation. Or you can follow us and figure out when you're going to come see one of our shows and get involved. Go to collaboration.org to learn more. Today's episode of Collaboration Radio is sponsored by AV Chicago, Chicago's leading provider of AV production and event management services. And Ethos Collective that Anthony just mentioned. Ethos Event Collective is a purpose-driven destination and event management company that seeks to become a trusted strategic ally to your business as we create authentic experiences that align with your goals, delight your audience, and generate impactful outcomes. Visit them at ethoseventcollective.com. Collaboration is a 27-year-old nonprofit. Wow. Whose mission is to build knowledge, empathy, dialogue, and action around oppression and inequity through live theater, film, and now radio that leverage the power of storytelling and community to cultivate positive social change. We're 27 years old and we have a radio show. Who would have thunk it? We also have um, a screening coming up on Thursday, the February 22nd. We have taken the final performance of our um, immersive play, Trial in the Delta, the Murder of Emmett Till, that transcribed the missing trial transcript of the state of Mississippi versus the men who killed Emmett. And we filmed the final performance at the DuSable Black History Museum. And uh, we're going to be screening it with the cast and crew as a feature film at Wayfair Theaters in Highland Park on Thursday. We have a few tickets still available to the public. If you'd like to join us, please do. We'll have a crucial conversation after the show hosted by Dr. Marcus Robinson and Carla Stilwell. And this is a chance to learn what happened in that courtroom. How can folks get tickets, Anthony? They can go to wayfaretheaters, plural, dot com, or you can go to collaboration.org and you'll see a pop-up on the webpage and that'll take you right to it. Click that link. We are also having auditions coming up for The Light, our youth artist activist program where Chicago youth ages 14 to 20 get paid $18 an hour to create work, learn how to approach work creation from an activist standpoint, some some um, lessons in journalism and data collection, improving their research skills and vocabulary so they can take that knowledge and put it into their work and also facilitate conversations about the change they want to have. Go to collaboration.org and sign up for an audition. We have auditions at the Gary Comer Youth Center in South Shore, K. Ryan Center for the Arts on the West Side in Austin. And Shy Arts in Ukrainian Village, the high school, and at the Humboldt Park Kimball Arts Center. So sign up if you have a young one who is artistic and has a passion for social change. Please check us out. And what else? Um, 
Let's get to it. We want to make this, we want to talk to Tanika as long as we possibly can. Tanika Lewis-Johnson is a visionary photographer and social justice artist deeply rooted in Chicago's Southside Englewood neighborhood. She illuminates the shadows of injustice within real estate and land use practices, advocating for transformative change, especially in historic preservation. Her ongoing opus, Folded Map, transcends visual storytelling by unraveling the stark disparities among segregated Chicago residents, compelling them to engage in meaningful conversations. Meanwhile, her poignant inequity for sale project unearths the living history of Greater Englewood homes sold under discriminatory land sale contracts in the 50s and 60s, urging a critical reevaluation and creation of positive change. She is internationally acclaimed. She is known as the, the folded lap map lady, I think is what <laughs> some people know her yes. as. And I need collaboration to uh, rewrite my, my bio for scripts, you know, for speaking. <laughs> it's just a mouthful. She's also, uh, well, a visionary photographer, and I first saw her work I think inside Hamilton Park. Yes, that was the my big very, prince yes. of Englewood. Was that first, your first? Yes, my very first public Englewood <gasps> exhibit. Wow. Yeah, and funded by uh, the individual artist grant. That was my first one. That was in like 2016. And, and now, really, if I had to sum it up, you are playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. <laughs> For real. I think you I think you even I mean th- I, I got a feeling when Theaster Gates goes to sleep, he goes, Man, how did she do that? <laughs> because you are oh. you're you're changing a block now. Yeah. And the thing is, is that when you manifest the unmanifested, you show other people it can be done. Mm-hmm. And if we can manifest a block and change a block, we can change a city. Yes. Yes. We'll start with Carla's favorite question. Yeah. In the Marvel superhero universe, <laughs> you are clearly a superhero. Oh, my gosh. What is your origin story? My origin story. What is your superhero Marvel origin story? How did you grow into this um, social justice superhero? Wow. Well, you know, I have to thank Collaboration for helping me be able to articulate that origin story because... Creating the play mm. that was, you know, featured. It, well, you all gave the opportunity for me to even think about that question years ago because I'm like, oh, yeah, I do need to explain how I came to create the Folded Map Project. Um, but really, it's it's like when you look back on your life after creating the thing that's been stuck in your head. um then you're able to see the through line yourself because mm-hmm. I didn't even really think about it until the project came out. And I'm like, oh, yes, this literally is my um, my bio. It's it's my autobiography in a multimedia project. Uh, my lived experience growing up was rooted and started in Greater Inglewood. 
And then my mom wanted to experience the north side. So I moved to the north side in the very neighborhood that is used and part of my folding map project, Edgewater. Um, and then also just commuting to my high school uh, from Inglewood to Lane Tech. So the through line of folded map is is all throughout my life and really just my reflections and my observations as a young black girl growing up and living in Inglewood and then being forced to explore Chicago earlier than, you know, most people or transplants to Chicago um, to access the arts programming that I was interested in, to access education, and then also uh, growing up to realize why I had to go out of my neighborhood at such an early age to even do that. Um, So, yeah, really Folded Map is just a culmination of all of my observations growing up and then finally reaching adulthood and learning why those observations existed, um, how I was able to have them. So, yeah, it, it really is my my life story in a multimedia project. And, you know, even when I think about the multimedia part, like photography, that's my first love, my first artistic love. Um, that's even rooted in family. Like my dad was an obsessive amateur photographer. Uh-huh obsessive (laughs) like I have my entire childhood um in photos you know which is what enabled me to have um to tell folded map story theatrically and use the photography of my life because my dad just always took photos and from that experience I started to learn the the um Meaning of seeing yourself documented, like what that can do to your identity um, in ways that you don't even think about. And, and, and that kind of pushed me into really wanting to pursue photography. So, so yeah, like it's just a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of moments and observations in my life that finally got crystallized into the Folded Map Project. Yeah. For people that don't know about the Folded Map Project, what is it? Yeah, yes. it's like a little, a little, a little primer. A little, yeah. um, I always enjoy explaining it because it changes every time. Like mm-hmm. you know, because it's it's so folded map project is a multimedia project that includes photos, videos, and the use of Chicago's large scale grid map to basically compare neighborhoods that are racially and economically different by using these similar addresses. Um, There's corresponding addresses in these racially and economically different neighborhoods that are up to 15 miles apart, uh, but also bringing the people together who live in those homes that I photographed and compared together to have a conversation and meet each other about segregation and those individuals, I feel, are the gold of the project, which is called Map Twins. So even though the project um, explores segregation, what it looks like today in the built environment by comparing addresses that are similar, uh, 15 miles apart in racially different neighborhoods, uh, but really conceptually folding the map uh, 
at Chicago Zero Point downtown and having those neighbor um, neighborhoods touch each other by having the Map Twins meeting and talking, which is uh, really what I wanted to encourage people to be able to to do after engaging with the project. So that's, I don't know if that was short, but <laughs> that's as short as I can make it, what did Folded you, Map is. Did you know when you started taking photographs of these different homes that that was going to happen, the Map Twins? Was that intentional from the no. beginning, or was that a surprise in the process? It was... Uh, a thought, but it was definitely not anything I was aiming to do because, like I said, my primary medium, especially at that time, was photography. Um, I'm a photographer because I like to stay in the background. I was like, I'm going to just photograph 10, a collection of 10 pairs of homes. That's enough. Um, that's going to get the point across, and that's it. That's all I'm going to do. I don't have to talk to anybody. I can just <laughs> take the photos of the homes. Uh, so that was how the project was intended to be. But, you know, as projects, you work on them, stuff changes, mm-hmm. and then these crazy moments happen that force you to decide, am I going to go down this rabbit hole, or am I just going to stick to what I originally planned? And that's what happened as I started photographing the North Side homes. Um that's when I met uh, Jennifer, who is, you know, part of the first Map Twins. And, you know, she asked me how, what was I doing, first of all? Like, <laughs> hello, you're, can I help you? <laughs> she was so sweet. Um, but my conversation with her is what uh, inspired me to just say what was already going on in my mind. Like, do you want to meet someone you know, who lives in Inglewood since you've never been outside of me. And when she said yes, I was like, oh, my God, now I really got to do this. Why did I open my mouth and, and say that? So I really was not intending on doing that. But it was just I thought it would be cool if it happened. That was before I ran into an actual um Map Twin, Northside resident. Um, but since I always had friends on different sides of the city, and I always thought like, oh my God, if they were all to meet each other, that would be so cool. So just the seed of the idea was with me growing up, mm-hmm. but I didn't think about inserting that in the project when I was starting it at at all. And then it just took over. So that, whatever made you... Sh- we all have these little ideas. Whatever made you speak it into into reality, right? Is 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 it's I think part of your superhero power because, and that's why I think like I I think you and I do my best to be a manifester, but you know you're like Steve Jobs, <laughs> and I'm like. Want to be a tenth <laughs> of Steve funny. Jobs? But no, really, because because okay, I love photographers. I love them, and I get along with them really well. But I've never met a photographer that can get up on a panel with a bunch of people with fancy degrees who talk who have talked their way into their whole career. Mm. I've never been in a room where you've been on a panel and you were not the superstar of the panel. <laughs> so sweet. And you have been on some big panels. And I just, over time, I was like, 
you know, I'm just going to watch Tanika because she is going to at some point say something and throw it away and laugh. And she's going to change the whole conversation of the whole panel. Mm. And there was one time. And I'm not going to throw any media under the table, but oh. you're going to know who I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, juicy. The we, we were at a panel. You were on a panel mm-hmm. that we were, I was supporting. And it was about media and their coverage. Oh, I was of there too, actually. Yes. And there was a reporter mm-hmm. that said the word bad neighborhoods mm-hmm. on the panel. And I was like, I cannot believe. <laughs> This reporter just canceled a whole neighborhood, and he's sitting next to Tanika. And I looked at you. I looked at you. Like that scene in Color Purple, like where he closed the piano. Well, no, you were your eyes were kind of bouncing around the room, and I go, "Okay, she's got it. She's going to take care of him," and you did. Oh. Do you know? Do you remember this? I don't remember which one because I've run into so much. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, that is second nature to you. But it's that. For, okay, so you 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 have a unique intelligence that goes beyond the normal visual genius of photographers, mm-hmm. and you're able to see possibilities to create a new Chicago or a new Englewood or both. And I think that's what makes you such an interesting cultural figure. Tell everybody about Unblocked Englewood. Oh, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for that. Um, And I really want to let you know I receive what you're saying. And um, it really is my community of not only neighbors and friends inside of Greater Inglewood, but uh, the creatives like Inglewood um, Arts Collective. Uh, we were the- we were hanging with uh, Pugs last ah, night. Oh yes, you see what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. when you have friends like them who are literal geniuses in their own right, and you are supported um, and uplifted by people who are amazing creatives like you all, um, others in different sectors, uh, Paola Aguirre, mm-hmm. uh, Amanda Williams, who who speak, you know, life into you and give you and validate you and give you confidence. Um, it allows you to. Dream big, think big, and then they provide you with with tools to help you do that. So um, what you've described and kind of seeing in me is is me believing what that community has has told me, has encouraged me to do and be and support it. So, you know, when you are friends with so many brilliant people, it just naturally, (laughs) you know, comes out of you. So um, I really want to shout out my community for uh, giving me the tools to implement ideas that I have and supporting me in doing it. Um, But Unblocked Inglewood is, is really also the magnum opus to what I just said. There was no way... Um, that I would have been able to dream of 
using arts, arts funding and arts as a form of actual tangible home repair, you know, doing helping people view structural home repairs and disinvested neighborhoods as public art. I wouldn't have been able to conceive of that if I didn't have the community around me from architects, creatives, um, you know, sociologists supporting me in this work and for me to be able to um, bounce around in each sector and be able to identify, oh, like, duh, this is what <laughs> this is what we could do. Um, and so really unblocked is, as you said, the 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 trajectory of my work in one project. So, you know, Folded Map helped people and myself um, understand segregation uh, today, but in a way that it personally impacts our relationships. And that was something that I wanted to bring to the conversation of segregation. Like, we're all impacted by this. And the way that I was able to speak about it through Folded Map was because I have been able to experience the beauty of diversity, um, how having a diverse community of uh, oftentimes creatives, uh, what that can do to help you understand the world better and how it helps you understand yourself better. And I know that most Chicagoans and transplants don't get to experience that because we're segregated. So Folded Map... Um, help people kind of understand that or it's a tool to help people understand that and just simple things you can do to disrupt segregation. Um, and then Inequity for Sale was a project where I kind of drilled down into the history of my home neighborhood. Like, yes, I'm aware that you think it's the poster child of everything bad in this neighborhood. Like, I get it. But it's important for you to understand how that came to be. And so that's what Inequity for Sale is. Uh, but Unblocked is... All right, you know the issue <laughs> of the city and this neighborhood. You know I am trying to provide ways for you to understand this uh, creatively. So now we're going to take it to the next step. We're going to attempt to use arts to actually solve some of these very issues the previous projects have um, explored. And that's what Unblocked uh, Inglewood is. It's, Can you tell us specifically, like what yes. what you are doing? Yes, it is, it's so incredible. Um, I am viewing this block and the homes on this block um, as a form of sculpture, um, very similar to how we know the homes in New Orleans are uh, when they're when they're painted, when, when people have pride in them and they decorate them. It's a form of art. Um, so I'm using that concept to basically pay for home repairs, structural home repairs to homeowners on that block who have been the victim of historic disinvestment and can't afford home repairs uh, because their homes have been devalued and providing a way for them to pay for really important repairs that prevent you from thinking about your home in a more um, artistic way because you can't think about decorating or cosmetic um, improvements when your roof is damaged. Um, when you have 
huge plumbing issues. And so Unblocked Inglewood is, is literally paying for these home repairs as well as creating an opportunity for these homeowners to do more cosmetic uh, exterior repairs and creating art installations on their actual block. And we're doing that with arts funding. And, and what block is it? 65th in Aberdeen. And is it both sides of the block? Yes. And is it everybody on the block or only the people that apply or that? So this block is really special because uh, it's connected to my f- previous project. Um, Inequity for Sale put landmarkers in front of um, just a small collection of the nearly 600 homes in Inglewood that were sold to aspiring black homeowners in the 50s and 60s on the racist predatory land sale contract. So these were aspiring black homeowners who didn't own their homes and who actually thought they did. And so I put landmarkers in front of 13 homes and I put one of the landmarkers in front of a land sale contract home on 65th and Aberdeen. And on the landmarker, I mentioned the individuals or the couples that were um, essentially scammed and to give them um, to honor their pursuit of being pioneers in home ownership. And so one day I was contacted and told that uh, someone I knew was the great grandparent of the couple on the landmarker. Wow. And that is something only art can do. I, I It doesn't matter how you plan a project. How, when you put it out there, you don't know who or how people are going to receive it. And that was just this beautiful twist of fate that introduced me to the son of the couple on my actual landmarker. So this is data becoming really personal. So I met him. His name is Mr. Melvin Walls, and those are his parents. That was mentioned on the landmarker. And he's in his late 60s now. And he was able to fill in the gap of what happened after his parents completed the land sale contract and did become owners. Um, and how they were able to buy the house that he lives in on that same street, across the street from the house that the landmark was in front of. Um, but he explained how he couldn't afford to um, maintain his house um, because the value of the house is so low that, you know, he can't get a home loan to repair it. Um, and insurance won't cover certain things because the devaluation of the home. So once he told me about his story and then told me that most of us on this block grew up on it, on this block. So these are older homeowners who were there uh, young in the 50s and 60s, um, as well as one of the black landlords who owns about four buildings on that block and her story. Because a lot of people don't think about how this impacted black landlords who want to keep rent at an affordable rate, um, mm-hmm. but the struggles they go through. So it's literally the whole entire block, even the renters um, on the block, because some of them want to become homeowners and we're going to be figuring out ways to assist them. But more importantly, uh, acknowledging that some of them just want to be renters because they love uh, Miss Justine, their landlord, and they like the fact that they're Rent is basically controlled. It's it's at affordable rate because it's an individual black landlord who is not trying to make a crazy profit. So it really is the 
the whole block. And the the block, when I say whole block, I mean, this is a block that is very, um, that's a microcosm of the entire neighborhood because it's 22 buildings. Um, a few of them are vacant and abandoned. It's 20 vacant lots. So, you know, whereas a block typically would have like 40-something buildings on a block. So this block is a representation of all of Greater Inglewood. And even though, you know, I like to, I agree, like, yes, this is a big, bold project. But for me, I'm like, I'm really just helping, uh, like, half of what the block should have been, you know? So yeah. in my mind, that's what makes it achievable. Like, we're literally just helping 20-something buildings, you know, even though the tra- it translates into, like, 70 residents. But um, that's that's how I look at it, and, and that's what the project is. So it's, it's both sides. And the beauty of um, the project is uh, helping the residents... Uh, understand and be a part of the creation of art on their block. So we're we're looking forward to helping them get more home repairs, but also being part of creating art installations on their block. Wow! Oh, and that's happening this year. The beginning of those. Yes. Yeah. So are you are you going to have a block party with a bouncy house? Oh, they are. Listen, they already told <laughs> the project. Get artistic has, bouncy houses. Oh, you yes. Know. Equal Arts Collective can't wait to help them just go crazy. Uh, so the project has been uh, going on for a year, and we just kind of announced it to the public because we were like, let's let's get some repairs done first before we start telling people what we're going to do. Um, so we've done repairs to about 14 of the homes now. Uh, We're going to focus on doing repairs for uh, the remaining like 12 and while we're doing that they're going to be uh, the residents are going to be begin their engagement with Inglewood Arts Collective to help them envision uh, the kind of art that they want on the block and how we can help implement, fabricate that, but then also working to do smaller art stuff because they already said we want an emblem for our house to show mm-hmm. our unity and when we started to live here. So basically next month they're going to begin like designing the emblems that we're going to get made for each of them to have on their house. Um, and since the block has a lot of older seasoned citizens, um, they said they want some place to sit and hang out on their block. So we're going to be um, installing a gazebo and then maybe some, you know, actual art installations, some sculptures. So that's that's the vision. And this year we're going to be kind of figuring out what they want to see and, and then making the plans to implement it. So it's not just going to be home repairs. It's going to be a beautification of their block. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and just, I mean, the mental health impact of oh, feeling seen oh, and and then and part of a of a of a community and a block and your home, your home. Oh my <laughs> gosh! And I, the reason I love being able to help tell so many of their stories on this block is because um, as homeowners. You know, we know how hard it is. (laughs) (laughs) Something is always going wrong. And when you're a homeowner, you you can easily understand how it's it can deplete 
you know, money that you've saved. And so for me, it's another unifier in, in the same way that map twins were like, oh, these are people, even though you're 15 miles apart, you still live on the same block. It's technically still your neighbor. Mm-hmm. So this is um, I'm hoping to add to the history and story of, of home ownership and how through home ownership, we can start to understand each other's challenges um, a bit better because that is also a community of just maintaining home ownership. And you can't really increase home ownership until you help the existing homeowners uh, stay homeowners. So are you making a documentary film about this and is this a good time for me to pitch you or do you already have that figured out <laughs> I already have oh, man. it out she always wants to <laughs> you know when you meet amazing people so um, it really came about as an idea because when we launched the announcement of Unblocked Inglewood um, like I said we were already a year into the project and that's when we realized okay these residents will want more repairs beyond the structural. They want cosmetic, you know, like different siding on their house. They might want landscaping, you know, stuff that the current funding wouldn't necessarily support. So we wanted to do a fundraising campaign. Um, And so with the fundraising campaign, I was like, you know what, we need to start documenting this in a way beyond me, you know, like... I can take photos, but I am not a videographer, okay? I can get footage, but I don't know how to edit it. I don't. So um, that's when I decided to bring on board DigiFay, which is an amazing black-owned um, video production company. And so they are beginning to do interviews and documenting uh the project, the origin story of the project so that we can use it for fundraising. And so we are not doing a full, complete documentary, just a little short one um, to just help people understand what the project is and to to donate if they want to help or be a part of it. But as you know, that's just the beginning. So DigiFade, they're definitely going to be continuing to document. And so who knows how much footage we'll have by the end of the year. Or even next year. Sounds like a great series to me. Have you heard of Racist Trees? No. It's a new documentary that just came out about a, there was a golf course outside of L.A. a little bit, like maybe San Bernardino. Racist Trees. Yeah, yeah. So listen to this. There was a golf course and they put these trees around the golf course, which are like, they're like very thick bushes. Yes. And tall. And tall. And they're like a wall. And then eventually over time, they took them all down except for the one side of the golf course where the black neighborhood was. Wow. And they left that up. And And the film documents the community's work to get rid of these trees. And it was just, just came out, um, Wayfarer uh, Studios out of LA, which is affiliated with the Wayfarer Foundation oh. and theaters, um, oh, it, where we're screening our film. Right. Um, you know, I, I just could see them being interested in your work at large. There should be some billionaires that should be funneling large much, amounts right? of money to you. Like we and could, we could do a lot of repairs. You could do the f- one million. Just give yes. us, just give us that. Well, what if you had a hundred million and you folded the map and you did blocks all around the That's around the, the city? Have to, you to ever folded the map? 
of the world, and on the uh, not the equator line, but the yeah the, the little Oxford line or the the north south line, axis, and then yeah. see where Anglewood is. Probably that's China. So is it China? Cute. That's so cute. It probably is in the like some Turkestan yeah, area. I know. She's gonna go vote <laughs> yeah, back tonight. But you know, I did have someone reach out from other countries, and they were like, "Oh, you could do it along the uh, latitude and longitude." Like the, I was like, "Oh, I could do it that way too." In the universe, yeah. But I universe. told them, I was like, "You could do it, and then I'll help you." <laughs> no, so, even if you're not a millionaire, you can donate to this right now, right? Oh yes, you yes. can go to yes. Chicago Bungalow Association. I think it's forward slash unblocked and or you can just go to my IG and I have a link and you can donate um, right now. I think we have successfully raised six thousand dollars and you'd be amazed um, what can be done, how how you can help a homeowner just with six thousand dollars, you know, because that is, um, you know, that that can be a significant plumbing issue that they now have restored yeah you know it, it could be a down payment on you know a complete uh porch that they have been needing to have, be repaired so uh every little bit helps seriously and if if you are not well versed in the history of chicago from redlining to contract homes mm-hmm. and beyond then you should really do some reading. Um, you know, go to Folded Map. You have a Folded Map website too. Yes, mm-hmm. or they can go to my artist website that has all of those projects. TonikaJ.com. There but you yes. go. For me, I read the uh, the Coates article, the case of reparations oh, yes. in the Atlantic. Yes, and I was like, you know, doing research for this. This show that we toured for five years called Crime Scene. Mm. And my I was just like, I can't believe this happened in Chicago. And so if you don't know, you know, uh, hopefully you know about redlining, right? And the real estate mm-hmm. of the country mm-hmm. was, was coming out of Chicago. Yes. And they wanted to figure out how to... Um, Put racism and white supremacy into home ownership and controlling who would get money to buy a home and who wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So they drew literal red lines on a map and said these neighborhoods Mm -hmm. will not receive funding for homes. And these were I mean, you'd go to the bank and say, yeah, we we have been working this great job for 10 years. We got a child coming. It's time to buy a home. They would take out a map to say, look, you live there. We can't give you a a, a mortgage, a federally backed mortgage at all. So, and so here we are, decades later, and you're working. Yeah. Well, and then shyster white guys went, saw an opportunity, bought these houses, and then basically sold "quote unquote" them on contract to fa- black families. Mm-hmm. And the fine print of the contract was like, if you're late one day. Mm-hmm. We can repossess the home. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't get your deposit back. And so hundreds of, of families. 90% of aspiring black homeowners had their home sold to them on. And, 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 and some of them got their homes taken away yes. until a group of them finally started to, to 
to organize and fight back and eventually went to the suburbs where these uh, predatory uh, white real estate shysters lived Mm -hmm. and papered their neighborhoods and said, did you know your neighbor is a crook? And um, and um, there was what what was their name? The Contract Buyers League. The Contract Buyers League. Those are primarily on the west side of Chicago. The west side of Chicago was devastated by um, land sale contracts, and a lot of people don't know that. And and, and then the fires of 68, of course, after uh, Dr. King was murdered, um, also devastated Mm -hmm. the west side. And and they just let those buildings go for decades. And actually, Carla Stilwell, who couldn't be here today, has a great show that she directed and adapted Mm -hmm. called... Had in Fifth City um, about the cycles of drugs Mm -hmm. and self-medication and pain that that happened to families on the West Side and um, the 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 poet Oran Kenyatta Marshall wrote an epic poem about his story of growing up and he got out. And he lives in Maui, and he was on our show last week. Yeah, you know, because we talk about the the systemic aspect, the structural, you know, forces of racism, um, because that's important for us to understand, but really to get to the heart of how it affected people, you know, the, the quality of life that was taken away from individuals. Um, Having to work to pay for an overpriced um, uh, payment for your home, because it's not a mortgage, so you can't say mortgage, uh, meant that you, when you were already getting underpaid because of uh, racism, Mm -hmm. that means that you physically have to work more hours. And if you work more hours, that means you have less time with your families. And then the burden that's put on whoever is taking care of your home, like, and then God forbid, you know, an emergency comes up. So it understanding the structural can help people imagine how challenging it is personally. And then once you understand that, you can easily see how uh, self-medicating or having any kind of vice is possible, you know, because you're, you're living under the burden of so much uh Forces that you can't actually uh, control or get out of. And so um, that's why understanding, that's why I love the fact that she has that uh, piece, that that theatrical piece, because people need to understand how that contributes to mental health issues, uh, various addictions, um, because your quality of life is, you know, taken out of your control and, and, and lessened. So, yeah, I can understand somebody who might drink or do drugs or it, it makes it understandable, you know, in a way that you wouldn't if, if you weren't aware of the kind of systemic issues that were keeping them down. So... Yeah, we we need all of our stories, (laughs) all of our stories told. Um, And then also helping having these stories help people identify the other part of all of that, which is how our stories connect to each other. 
Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I loved La Havana Madrid. <laughs> Thank you. Because knowing each other's history, you can see the connection. Absolutely. Like, oh, we we were uh, mistreated the same way. Uh, me studying and understanding the history of land sale contracts helped me understand uh, the crazy historic connection black people have with indigenous people here mm. and the crazy irony like <laughs> we had homes stolen from us in the very same way on the land that was stolen from you all right. in the very same way through contracts treaties so just the the beautiful part of like learning this very hard hurtful history that i would love to remind people of is how that connects us all you know yeah it it it's it can help us unite and see the possibilities of different solutions but help us become aware of how our struggles are so similar and united like connected actually so um yes all of the stories have to be told all of the structural issues have to be told and then how knowing that history can help you understand uh the stereotypes uh that we've come to believe about different races and nationalities and you know just even the example from your your theatrical performance like people thinking oh Latinos they do landscaping like okay it's a history (laughs) behind that Mm -hmm. and you know in your very uh, (laughs) minimal you know uneducated observation of that you you have stumbled on a piece of history. There is a history behind that. You know, people you can't flatten people's experience. We're like, oh, it's, they just they just like to do landscaping. No, it's <laughs> it's a whole history, and we have to know each other's history because yes. otherwise, how are you going to create solutions? Yeah. I, right now, I'm thinking. You know, you're saying stereotypes, and I'm thinking back to what Anthony brought up earlier about the phrase "bad neighborhoods." Right. Like the bad neighborhood. And I just wonder for our audience, you know, for them to be armed. It's it's something that we hear all the time. We hear it on the news. We hear, it, you know, in, in culture. What do you say to bad neighborhoods? What is something that you can share with us? So the next time one of our audience members is in that conversation and someone says, ah, that side of town, bad neighborhoods. Yeah. What do you say? So um, I did a project in the pandemic in response to exactly what you just said. Um, it's called the Don't Go Project. And um, it stemmed from when I would do presentations, the first thing I would ask people, raise your hand if you have been told that the South Side is dangerous and that you should not go. Everyone, 100% of the time, always raise their hand. Mm. And I say to them, therein lies how segregation And stereotypes are perpetuated. And that's how we can also personally disrupt it for you to learn how you can push back and then to understand how and why you've been told that. And so the Don't Go Project, I invited people. I put a post on Instagram. Do you have a don't go story? Have someone told you to not go to the south or west side? If so, please, you know, email me and tell me your story. About 100 people emailed 
and said, I have a don't go story. And so during the pandemic, um, I interviewed them with my Folded Map nonprofit partner, Dr. Maria Creason, who's a sociologist. And we interviewed close to 30 people during the pandemic. And most of them, um, not surprisingly, were white people. Most of them were transplants to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And the reason this project is so important to me because um, it shares the other side of segregation, what people are told and how they're programmed to believe things that make it easy for them to be like, yeah, okay, I just won't go to the South Side. And so these white people were very transparent and honest and beautiful in sharing their don't go story. They they told us uh, who told them what was going on when they were given that advice, um, how they felt when they disrupted it and actually went to the South or West Side. And then also very beautiful reflections on them being honest about um, being taught anti-blackness without knowing that that's what it was. And so they're sharing their story, which is important for us to know if we really want to get to the to the root, you know, and it's all about being honest and transparent. And, and literally they're explaining I was taught anti-blackness and I didn't know it. So it made it very easy for me to dismiss um, the South and West Side because I didn't know it was racist and I didn't I didn't think about it. And I just thought that, oh, yeah where black people live, it is bad because this is what they've been taught to believe. And as hard as it might be to hear that is still a part of the story, the whole story of segregation. And these people were explaining how they were impacted by this saying that I felt horrible and bad that I was lied to, that mm. I was made to believe this. And it made me, uh, miss out on so many opportunities to meet different people and they were very clear that their call to action was to stop people in their tracks when they say the neighborhood's bad. Yeah. So I think they're an example of of how we can disrupt that. Just question and push back on people. That's amazing. Can if we go to your Instagram, is that on there? Yes. Yes. Don't go. Um, I partnered with Block Club Chicago to publish five of those stories. Mm -hmm. So you can even Google Don't Go Tonika Johnson and it'll pop up. And and right now we're actually in the process of making it into a book. Okay. Multimedia. You know, you know when something is a book, then that means it could become a theatrical piece. Oh, I, right. learned, I learned that's that from right. y'all. That's right. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on Collaboration Radio. It's just, mm. you know, you're at the top of the list, and we finally got <laughs> finally you. Got you. Um, yeah. Finally. No, we'll have to schedule you, you for all. July right now. Oh, yeah, follow up after so, the block party. But so please, please uh, learn if you, if you, I feel like a lot of people know about Tanika's work, but hopefully you learned a little bit more today. If you didn't, um, there's lots of places where you can get involved and support her work. And, yeah. you know, Englewood is, I think it's my favorite neighborhood in the city. <laughs> I mean, there are so and, uh, many awesome, great people. They're riches. People. riches. It, it really, and, it really is. I mean, and, 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 you know, the other neighborhoods I've lived in, even the one I'm currently in, like, I don't know, I know more people in Englewood than I know in my <laughs> own <know>. neighborhood. This <laughs> is a community. It's crazy, but, but you all, uh, 
telling people that is is part of the disruption too you know because people have minimized uh inglewood to be just a neighborhood where only criminals and victims live and it's like no there's a full like range of individuals and personalities like yes weirdo art kids can be from inglewood like <laughs> yeah and so i appreciate uh everyone loving on inglewood um because it's really what we need to to disrupt the, the narrative and it does have an economic effect on Inglewood when people say don't go to it and, and you all are like our fellow advocates so thank you thank you thank you for coming on the show and keep on playing chess <laughs> I will thank you or whatever is beyond chess I D chess <laughs> go ahead and play that song Henry keep the mics on yeah Tanika do you want to drop a rhyme <laughs> oh my gosh I do not rap anymore oh, oh anymore. anymore I mean you know I'm a little hip hop girl oh here she goes come on nice beat, though. yes DJ Lady D no. this is normally when Carla would be like hey right. we're dropping dimes right. I'm cutting Rhymes. I got rhymes. Oh. Am I right? That's so funny. Hey, check us next week. Um, we have um, somebody amazing on next week. Our, our guest next week is DJ Lady D. Oh. The queen of Chicago house music. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>